Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I have compassion on those who are homebound, healing, favor, blessings. I have compassion on those who are homebound, who are, for whatever reason, unable to join the saints physically. Um, And I believe there is a grace for that, but there is no grace for laziness. Um, At no point in the Bible does it show those who did not feel like going to Jesus getting the blessing from Jesus. Nowhere in the scriptures do you see that. You see hungry people that even when Jesus showed up, he made them demonstrate their hunger to receive from him. And yet we live in a church age that has been discipled, that Jesus is very understanding that you may have CrossFit on Sunday. He's like, oh, I get it. I, you know, I don't have to be the, the most important thing. If I'm just in the list, I'm happy. And, and, and we have done a terrible job as a church discipling people in the ways of Christ. Can you say amen? Hey, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, here's where we are today, all right? So let's wake up, let's stay engaged, because here's where we are, and, and we're going in, and we're going to talk about Jesus, the resurrected, the Messiah. Like sometimes when we talk about Jesus, we talk about his benefits so much, we forget that he's actually God. That he actually has an opinion, and it's the only opinion that matters. That's a good word, Pastor. That's a good word right there. I'm, I'm thankful for it. Yeah, see, you see, um, um, we, we live in an age... Uh, that, and, and, and I, I'm not one of these doom and gloom guys, I'm really not, but I am prophetic enough to see the times and seasons that we live in. I'm a man who's not the most educated man in the world. If you know me, you know that I got my GED, and uh, I, I joined the military because I was homeless, and uh, I dropped out of high school. Uh, I, I was able to finish in ninth grade after two shots out of it, and uh, uh, wound up getting my GED, but I was a learner. And I've always been a learner, always read books, and uh, by the grace of God, I went on to get a, a fairly decent uh, a, a, a bachelor's degree, and by the grace of God, I, I got my master's, and then I got my master's in divinity, and then I met a bunch of people who have a PhD in theology and a PhD in divinity, and I'm like, that's, a, that, that's amazing. I, it, you don't really seem like someone who spent 12 years in grad school, like what, what happened? And, and I found out that there's these places that you can just like write a little paper and write a check and, and you, get a, you get a degree. And I'm like, that's, that, um, is, is that the same thing though? Is that, is that, is that, is that really, is that the same though? Like um, I've never once gone to the doctor and been like, oh, you just, you just got this mail order. Oh, that's fine. That's probably good enough. Why don't you go ahead and just cut in on me here, right? Like that's, that, that's, that's, I, n- no. Um, I, I've never gone to a barber and been like, oh, you've never cut hair before? You didn't get trained? Well, you could just try on me. That, that'll be fine, right? Like, you don't go to a hairstylist and like, oh, you've never done a coloring before and nobody actually trained you? Well, give it a whirl on my hair, right? Like, I've, but, but what's the worst that can happen? You know, like, what's, what, like, no. And, 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 and so I, um, I wound up and I, I spent four years getting my, my master's in divinity and um, learned a ridiculous amount of information, some of which I use. And, um, and I started talking to my wife. I'm like, honey, all these people got PhDs. And uh, for the cost of less than one class to get my master's in divinity, I could have a PhD. Like, what? Why? What, what am I? Maybe. And she's like, no. 
What are you talking about? I could be Dr. Carl Thomas with, with like a fraction of the time that it took me to get just my master's in divinity. She's like, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's not who we are, Carl. That's, that's not who we are, right? And, you know, that's, that's not who we are. And um, we live in a church age, that's who we are. That, that's who we are. We, we have so, like, <clears throat> and I need you to hear this because there is a promise from God for you in this. So I need you to hear this. We live in a church age that we so water down the gospel. We so water down the requirements of Jesus Christ. We so water down who he is and what he said he wants from us. We've equally, hear me, we, we, we equally, uh, when we water down the requirements, we water down the blessings. We water down the return. Hear me. We, 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 we like, like, when you go, there's this thing in, in academia called academic rigor. And part of getting um, uh, accredited is people who actually know education, they come in and they make sure that there's enough academic rigor in your program to warrant the degree that they are conferring. And that, when they, when they, they check that out, they check your theology, not, not, not do you believe what we believe, but are you actually teaching a systemized theology? Does this actually, are you actually requiring people to read books and learn and write papers? Is there enough academic rigor? Then what they do is they give you what's called a regional accreditation. That's the highest type of accreditation you can get. You get a regional accreditation if you're looking at a school. National accreditation is a lot like, you know, you and your buddies calling each other apostle. You know what I mean? It's, 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 Somebody has said it, but nobody that matters, right? And so this regional accreditation is what, you know, the University uh, FAU might get or University of Florida or any, any, any real school, right, would get this regional accreditation. And if you don't get that, uh, you can learn something, but not what people think you actually need to learn. You have a degree, but it's not a recognized degree that's regionally accredited. And so what we've done in the church is we teach a gospel that is not the full gospel because we don't really trust Holy Spirit to draw people when they know the full requirements of Jesus. We don't teach people the real God. We give them a little fake God because we think, oh, they're never actually going to show up for class. They'll never actually uh, do, do the work to actually be a follower of Christ. That's actually, you know, there, there's no way they'll do that. So we'll, we'll give them a watered down gospel. Unfortunately, like people who get unaccredited degrees, they get a watered down return. They're not actually able to do the things that are, you're supposed to be able to do once you get educated. And because we don't believe that the product that we're selling is really worth all that effort. And hear me, we want the name of saying we have a massive church without actually having converts in the church. And so there is an entire uh, move afoot in the church today. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm at a place in my life and I'm at an age in my life where I am not going to couch the gospel. I'm not going to water down what I think and what I believe just to get people to listen to me. I, 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 don't, I don't need it. My ego doesn't require it. My conscience won't allow it. Are you hearing me? What you're going to get at Revival Life Church is the real gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is really, really good. The bad news is really, really bad. And God actually has requirements for his people. All throughout Scripture, he has revealed this. And so we're going to dig in the Word of God today, and I promise you the goal today is to encourage you. 
This is not like we're going to beat you up. You're going to go home and be like, wow, I'm really glad I was rebuked today. That is, that is not the style of church that we do. At the same point, if I go to the doctor, I don't want him to be like, hmm, it's cancer, but I'm not sure how he's going to handle that. So I'll just tell him it's going to go away. And then you die. Like, no, no, I want to know. Tell me what's wrong so I can get right. If you've got high blood pressure, you don't want the doctor to be like, well, if you call me fat, that's not really politically correct. And so don't hurt my feelings. You might trigger me by telling me that my weight is causing health problems, so I need you to make up some new science so that I don't get triggered. No, 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 because you're going to die either way. The heart attack don't care about your feelings. It's going to kill you if your heart is filled with cholesterol. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go to the doctor to hear the truth. Your doctor is going to tell you, hey, guess what? Um, you've got some heart issues because you're fat, right? So we can put you on some medication. But it would help if you ate less and worked out. Are you, are, that's where Carl is at, right? We, we, we want the blood pressure. I have some, I have some family uh, blood pressure issues, so I'm taking the medication. But at the same point, I'm trying to like eat less and maybe move my body a little bit. I need the truth. Are you with me? We have to love the truth. We need to love the truth. Is it triggering? Yes. So get rid of the trigger. Deal with some stuff. We need to be compassionate with one another's issues, but that doesn't mean we lie to people. And if somebody is damned to a life, a demonic life, we don't lie to them. Yeah, your boyfriend's cheating on you, but you know, that's probably the best you can get. You should stay with him. No, you want to tell him, run from that dog. You deserve somebody better. You, you ever have somebody who's like gossiping about you for a long time and you find out your friend knew? And you don't be like, oh, thanks for protecting my feelings, right? That's not what you say. You say, why, why, why did you not tell me? They become one with the liar. This is what we've done in the church with the gospel. We give a watered down thing and we, wow, I don't know. You know what? God is well able to lead people on a journey of following Jesus. Are you with me? We can preach the real Jesus Christ to people who need to be saved. Are you hearing me? I hope you're getting this because I'm going to preach this all day. And uh, the Florida Gators are playing in one hour and three minutes. And I'm going to be late for that game. Because this is important. Somebody had prayed earlier that the Holy Ghost would do a suddenly work. So we get home in time for the game. <laughs> Supernatural revelation. Download from heaven. You know, and then we all get instantly delivered and we move along. But I, I'm, I need to preach this gospel. Amen. I mean, we're going to get in this word. We're going to learn who Jesus is. and We're going to build something here that will actually last. Amen. We're in our message series, Becoming Like Jesus. And, and, and you're like, man, that's that sounds like, I don't know, Pastor, that sounds a little that's, that sounds a little big, a little inflated, a little self. Well, actually, it's what he told us to do. He actually told us. This is actually what Jesus told us to do. And you're like, well, that sounds kind of impossible. It actually is impossible for the natural man to become like Jesus. It is not impossible for the natural man submitted to the Spirit of God to become like Jesus. We're never going to become God, but we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And we have been adopted into the Trinity. If you get, uh, joined us at ASD at the, my Wednesday night meeting, you, we, we talked about it in depth. I don't have time to talk about it all right now, but the triune God has adopted us in and he's expecting us to take part in his divine nature. Amen. And here, as, as Duke was uh, trying to preach my message there uh, during the offering, uh, the, during his sermonette there, uh, you could tell he was getting activated because this is what we're talking about today. Faith in God looks like something. 
Hear me. Faith in God looks like something. There should, it should actually look like something in your life. We're going to recapture a phrase, and Josh is going to put this up for me, and we're going to say it together. I am practicing my faith. Let's say it together. I am practicing my faith. Let's say it one more time. I am practicing my faith. I'm going to give you an opportunity to use this, all right? So someone comes up to you and they say, hey, don't tell the pastor I said this, but I, I, here's what I think. You would tell them, eh, no, thank you. If you've got a problem, go talk to him because, watch this, I am practicing my faith. I'm putting my faith into practice. This actually looks like something. Hey, man, remember we used to go get high and, and blah, 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 blah. Ooh, it sounds fun. I remember we did that, had a lot of good times, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really doing that anymore because, watch it, let's say it together, I am practicing my faith. When your spouse comes in and they did that thing again that y'all done talked about for the last I don't know how many times, and you're ready to go off and tell them something that you feel in some type of way, and you just have to let them listen. I'm going to leave the house for about 15 minutes right now because I'm going to say some things that I don't really want to say because, let's say it together, I am practicing my faith. We, we have to practice our faith in Christ. It should, it should affect how we live. Are you hearing me? We, we should be practicing our faith. Our faith in God means that we live different than those who don't have this faith. It looks different, and, and I'm just going to keep preaching. And I, I just want to tell you, if, if you got somewhere to be this afternoon, the more you give me feedback, the quicker we get out of here. Now, don't start screaming, because that will make me feel like you don't actually want to be here, and that would hurt my feelings, right? That would, that would, cause, that would trigger me, right? Uh, but I do want you to be interactive here, because if God has, has something to say to us, you know? What, 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 we, what we say when we're... <laughs> This is what we say when we're saying, I'm not being conformed to this world, but I am undergoing counter-cultural formation. This is what God wants for you. Hear me. God's desire is, is that this world, and we talked about this extensively in this message series, this world is forming you. This world is training you. This world is giving you an ethos. It's giving you... Um, uh, a, 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 a whole way of living and being and thinking and interacting, and it's contrary to the gospel. If it were in line with the gospel, Jesus would need to come because the world would have trained you in the things of God. But the world doesn't train you in the things of God. The world trains you in the things of the world. And so there is a culture that our world has that denies God's existence. And we need to undergo countercultural spiritual formation. Once you come to Christ and you have put your faith in Jesus, we then need to practice our faith so that we can be transformed to the image of God. We need our mind to be conformed to God's will, holding every thought captive to the will of God. And we can't do that if we've not learned the will of God. I'm seeing so much terrible theology in the pulpits because people just don't know God and they fall for anything that sounds good. I can't, tell, I can't tell the difference between an, an Oprah Winfrey special and some church services these days. I'm like, they're saying the same things. Because you don't need Jesus to get what they're talking about. And a gospel that doesn't need Jesus is not the gospel. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm not against anything here. I'm, I'm, I want to inspire you 
to what Jesus actually has called us to. Are you with me? Are you with me? Say the name Jesus one time. Come on, that's who we're here for. Amen? Come on. All right. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 40. This is our scripture for today that we're going to study. It says, and with many words, he solemnly, Peter, solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. We talked about this last week. He's talking about the church generation. He's not talking about the world. He's not talking about politics. He's not talking about the government. He's talking about the people who are supposed to be following God and look like politics and look like the government and look like the world. This perverse generation, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had, been, who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Praise God, this is what you were created for. Hear me, this is what your soul craves This is what your spirit man longs for. When God thought of you before the foundation of the world, He thought of you interacting in a community of people who said that God is God and I'm not and this world doesn't matter. I want to be in the presence of God. I want Jesus to be on my lips. I want to fulfill the will of God. I I want to be in awe of His presence every day of the week. This is is what I long for. And, And sometimes you You lay in bed at night and you wish that you could help this person or that you could rescue that person. And sometimes you just wish that somebody would reach out and help you in your time of need. And when you're at the bottom of the pit, you wish somebody would lower a ladder and come and get you. Listen, friend, that is God's plan for you as well. And you have not realized that because we live in a society that does not recognize or reward any of that. That's why we don't pay teachers anything. That's why our social workers don't get paid anything. This is why our children's advocates don't get paid anything. Meanwhile, the highest paid employee in every single state in America, in 50 states, I'm not here talking about government, but I want you to hear this. The highest paid employee, civil employee, hired by the government, in every single state in America is a college football coach. Not the head of, of, of you know, Shan's Hospital at the University of Florida Research Hospital. Not, 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 not the head of, of the, the University of Pennsylvania State uh, 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 engineering system. It's a college football coach in every single state in America. Meanwhile, the people who are advocating for our babies who are, who are in, in um, abusive situations being uh, molested or abused or, and people who have given their lives to rescue them can barely eke out a living. That is the culture we live in. And the church is just like, ah, no big deal. Man, he should be rewarded for being a football coach. I'm like, but that's not what I see when I read the gospel. This, this, like, we have to recognize that this gospel is countercultural. And when we come to faith in Christ, we have to say, man, some things are going to change in your heart and in your life and in your priorities and your ethics are going to be transformed by this God who chose to come as a man and allow himself to be beaten and bruised and marginalized for the sake of humanity. That has to reflect in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. No, come on. One class, we all clap. Come on. 
say, oh, pastor, you talk about Marcus? Oh, who's talking about Mark? I'm talking about Jesus. Listen for the arguments people come on why you shouldn't follow Jesus. When you start talking about let's be like Christ, and they'll come up with some stupid argument. Oh, are you a communist? Like, the Russians aren't even communists. What are you talking about? Like, this is your argument against being like Jesus. Just, come on, tell that demon to get out your life and start being like Jesus. It is a demonic spirit. I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little feisty this morning. You hear me, Chelsea? I'm feeling a little feisty. I'm ready to kick the devil in the mouth this morning. Are, are you all right if we kick the devil in the mouth? Listen, this is the world we live in. The world we live in sees that scripture. But, but if we talked about the church today, here's what that entire passage would look like. Josh, if you would, please. You know, here, here's what it would say. They studied the apostles' teaching, you know, when they were bored. They had Christian fellowship when they could fit it in. They prayed when they needed something and got lunch together every now and then. They never really saw God do any miracles, and they were fine with that. They sometimes talked about generosity, but never were actually generous. That's, that's, that would be the church. Let's, let's read it again. They studied the apostles' teaching when they were bored. You know, couldn't sleep at night, so I went ahead and read the Bible. You know. They had Christian fellowship when they could fit it in. They, they, they prayed when they needed something and got lunch together every now and then. They never really saw God do anything miraculous, and they were fine with that. They sometimes talked about generosity, but never were generous. Two out of five Sundays they came to church. They didn't invite people into their homes. They rarely talked about Jesus outside of church. In fact, they didn't really look different than their co-workers, and every now and then someone was randomly saved. That, that's what, that's, and we're fine with that, and that's the problem. Two out of five Sundays, you know, they went to church, and they didn't invite people to their homes. They didn't. They didn't really talk about Jesus outside of church. They didn't really look any different than any of their co-workers. And every now and then, someone was randomly saved. That's, and the church is okay with that. And I'm not. Are you? No, I'm not okay with that. Why? Because Jesus is not okay with that. And, 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 and just to kind of complete what might be the, the foundational negative laying on the front side of this, we talked about these four areas of culture that we see that, that Jesus came against, if you would, Josh. And the first one was ignorance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ignorance, selfishness, isolation, and self-reliance. This is, this, is, this is the world we live in, these, these things on the left here. Ignorance, selfishness, isolation, and self-reliance. As a matter of fact, our society celebrates it. Like, like I, I've never seen so many happy, ignorant people in my life. I've never heard people quote things. And I'm like, that's demonstrably false. Rich, we've talked about this. People revel in their ignorance. The, the, the absence of expertise, right? People just, they know nothing and they're okay with that. As a matter of fact, they celebrate their stupidity. And they like, I read something on Facebook. And I'm like, wait, really? Oh, you have a PhD. How much did that cost you? $800. Well, that's that's. Okay, well, I've actually, you know, I had, a, I had a debate with somebody. And I said, you know, you know where you could learn about this? I said, you know, in books. Read books. Any books. Any books would show you that what you're saying right now makes absolutely no sense, right? But, 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 but people are ignorant and they're happy in their ignorance because they're like, that's all that, that matters. And, but we, we, listen to me. Are, are you following me right now? We put it up. We want to live a purposeful Christianity. 
We want to live our Christianity on purpose. We want to be found faithful. We want to live our life toward Jesus purposefully, demonstrating that we actually are disciples. We want to see that we're being transformed to the image of God. And so, uh, next slide if you would, Josh. And so we see out of these four things, ignorance, selfishness, isolation, and self-reliance, we see these, these antidotes. And last week we talked about the, 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 the antidote to ignorance is study. How many of you have been in the Word this week and have had rich times in the Word? Anybody in here can say amen? Amen? Yeah, yeah, just, just, just fake it and be like, yeah, absolutely. I put that in the practice, Pastor. Absolutely, I'm digging in the Word and God is speaking to me. Yes, yes, and we're getting deep on Wednesday nights and, um, and, and we need to get deeper. Uh, and, and, and in this selfish, selfish society, there's a reason society is selfish because it is anti-Christ. And the antidote is generosity. Let me tell you a little bit later, it says in Acts 2.34, it says, there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as they had need. Now, I want you to hear this. It's important as we read the scriptures and especially as we read the book of Acts, we don't try to do what they did so we could be like them. I need, I need, you, to, I need you to hear this. What, what happened was the Holy Ghost got poured out on the day of Pentecost. And then we see lots of fruit of, of, of the Spirit being poured out on Pentecost. And one of those fruits was radical giving. Say amen. amen. Radical giving was a fruit of being filled with the Spirit. Now, how that manifested specifically in Jerusalem at this time was that people sold all their possessions and gave it as they had need. I'll talk about why I believe that happened a little bit later. So when we look at the Bible, we can't just say, well, it says here in the Bible that you give away lands. So if you own land, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not living a biblical Christianity. We would all say that's a little crazy, right? Amen? Like we're not all supposed to sell all our houses and give it to the need, to the poor. Amen? Like we can own a house. I believe God's, it's okay that we own a house. It's okay to own a business. Like I, I hope you own a car. If you don't, I'll pray that you do. If you own a raggedy car, I'll pray that you get a better car, right? But that doesn't alleviate us of the need to read this and figure out how do we appropriate this for our lives. And, and the key here is not, not this, what, 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 what some people say, oh, that's, that's socialism. Like, no, it's radical generosity, which is what was demonstrated in the, in the Trinity that, that, that God gave his son, right? And so we see this giving of the son, then we see this giving of the spirit, the father giving of his love, and, 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 and we... Uh, then respond like, okay, how are we responding to the generosity of God? And have we been trained falsely in this spirit age that, that God was generous so that we can be gluttonous? No, I still looked in the Bible. Gluttony is a sin. And so what, how are, come on somebody. How, so how do we appropriate the word of God for our lives counter to this culture? I know this is a bit of a lecture, but it's important that we lay down some spiritual laws right now because some of us are stuck in debt, are stuck in poverty, are stuck in cycles that we want to break out of, and we've been discipled by our hurt, and we've been discipled by the spirit of this age, and we're never going to break out of it until we actually get the spirit of God in us and allow the Holy Ghost to change some things in our lives. Amen. Listen, when you live in the spirit, you start to operate by the economy of heaven. 
When you live in the Spirit, come on. When you begin to live in the Spirit, begin to operate in the economy of heaven. When I get generous, then all of a sudden my bills become God's bills. When I become loving, then all of a sudden my problems are God's problems. Because I've been giving of Him out of my life, so He starts giving in me what I need. This is what happens. When I say, man, God, you got a problem over there, and I'm going to meet the need of that problem, then all of a sudden God's like, well, if, if my problems are your problems, then your problems are my problems. Amen. This is a sign of the work of Christ in your life. In the Spirit, God is going to start... (laughs) When you give your life to Jesus, God's going to start messing with your idols. Because they block your vision of God. And education, finances, success may be an idol in your life. And I always, I always, you know, you kick a hornet's nest and the hornets get mad and um, uh, you'll get punished by messing with people's idols. You know, there's people in your life who argue with you every time you say something they don't like. And they're trying to train you not to challenge them. And you get to say in your life, hey, either, either, either we're going to have this conversation or we're not going to have a relationship. But I refuse to be punished by telling you the truth. I'm not submitting to that kind of relationship. You're going to have to grow up and have some honest conversations and not get defensive and be disrespectful because I'm, I'm touching an idol in your life. And those of you called the ministry, you better get that figured out early because you're going to have some people who have put themselves above God. They want you to treat them the same way. And you start touching their idols and they'll start lying on you. And as a Christian, you're not allowed to gossip about them. Welcome to ministry. Welcome to ministry. You pour your life out for someone, and they get offended, and then they start lying on you. And you're just like, that's between them and God. You want to listen to a liar over the person who rescued your marriage, over the person who poured into you, over the person who came, came in the middle of the night, who led your children to salvation, who won your sister to the Lord, won your brother to the Lord, cast the devil out of you numerous times. You want to, you want to listen to, go, hey, hey, you can have whatever you want. You want demonized, you get demonized. But, you know, the Bible says, I put before you life and death. Choose life that, that may go well with your children. Well, you know, you come back in 10 years when your kids are demonized, and I can help you when you repent. Like, we can do this. If you want, you think you're above God, but you're not. But this is, this is, but can we, can we just be real for a second? There is a real God, and there is a real devil. And there is a real heaven to gain, and a real hell to shun. And we need to seek the truth of God in our lives. Otherwise, we've got a bunch of demonized Christians espousing terrible theology, and there's nobody who will stand up and tell them, hey, bro, I love you. I hear what you're trying to do. It's not biblical, though, and you're not leading anybody to Jesus. You're leading them to feel better about themselves, and nowhere in the gospel does it say that's a goal of Jesus. It says the truth shall set you free. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm on one today. I'm, 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 you know. In Acts 4, there's this, um, there's this showdown. There's this showdown in Acts chapter 4. And they tried to beat up the, gospel, the, 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 the apostles and tell them, listen, you're triggering us with your little, your, your speeches are triggering us. You're talking about Jesus like he's the only God and that's triggering us. Because we believe, you know, Caesar's God and they believe, 
that, you know, uh, the, 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 the Pharisees are the ones who are right, and they believe that the Sadducees are right, and they, the Hessians, and you had all these groups that worship their own gods, and, 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 the, and the disciples were standing up saying, hey, guess what, um, that's, that's, that's good and all, but there's really only one God, and, and his name is Jesus. And by the way, you killed him, but the Father raised him to life. And they're like, um, no, no, you can't do that. You're triggering us. We're going to punish you for that. And we're going to beat you. And we're, gonna, we're threatening you with murder. And they had to have this decision. Are we going to hedge ourselves to society? Are we going to let this culture form what we talk about? Or are we going to stand on the truth of God's word? Are we going to stand on the truth of who Jesus has revealed himself to be? There was this showdown. And what they did was they didn't pray against the Romans, they didn't pray against the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They prayed to God for boldness. I want to be bold to talk about Jesus when it's not popular. To tell my kids, yes, I know you think that's all right, and that's your life, and you can do what you want. I just want to let you know I done been down that road, and it don't go nowhere good. Amen. I done lived that life, and it don't go nowhere good. It's totally your life. I'm not trying to control you. You're, you're, you know, you're, I, I've been preaching this for a dozen years. I have two adult children now. I said, you got till about 16 to win them. That's it. And after 16, you got to hope that they want to talk to you. That's it. That's what you got. You can't control them. Now, they may listen to you because you're paying their bills after 16, but that don't mean you actually have influence. They, 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 they may stick around and let you talk a little bit, you might get an eye roll. You might get a, well, I actually need them to pay for this, so I won't even roll the eyes this time, right? But at that point, either they want to listen to you or, or they don't, right? Then you just become a source of wisdom. That's it. That's it. Or every now and then a guardrail. Like, I don't know if you know this, but this train is about to jump the tracks, and you will not like what happens when that happens, right? Like, but you got to speak some truth sometimes. And you got to pray, and they prayed for boldness. I want to I I speak the truth in a way that people will hear it. Right? And Jesus talked about like he, he was not scared of touching idols. And, and the chief way that he talked about idols was through money. He talked about money almost more than anything else. Watch this. Every time Jesus talked about money, it wasn't about money. It was about what God do you trust? Read the Bible. Every time he talks about money, he's not talking about money. He's talking about what God you trust. And I come from a broke family. I come from broke, broke. How broke do you know? I've been at least that broke, right? I've been, I've been as broke as you know broke is, right? Like, I've, I've been broke. And you're like, well, you can't be broke if you have a cell phone. I grew up before cell phones, so you can't say that, right? Like, I've been, I've been broke. I've been poor. I've been super poor. And so in my life, a struggle can we just be honest here for a second? A struggle in my life has been, how are we going to pay the bills? Am I going to trust God with my finances? Will I trust God? Will I stay faithful to God and not allow money to become an idol? This, we, we, we love to point at rich people and talk about how, you know, what they could be doing with their money, but I, I haven't found poor people to be any more faithful with their money than rich people. Right. And, and, and we've heard this before. It's it's easy for the wealthy to give generously. It's hard for them to give sacrificially. It's easy for broke folk to give 
sacrificially, but it's hard to give generously. So we, we you know, avoid pointing fingers. It's really not helpful. We just need to look at our own heart. Amen? I mean, it's like we all point at, you know, not we all, but you know, people point at the wealthy, but you, you want to be wealthy, don't you? I mean, I, I do. Not, don't you? I, I do. I would love to be wealthy. And I'd like to say, because I'd buy you all a car. And maybe I would if I was that wealthy. I don't know. But life is easier when you're not broke, I have found. I have been very poor. Life is easier when you're not poor. And, and, and God is after that idol in your life of finances. Um, they prayed for boldness. And they preached in the face of their fear. And when they preached the gospel in the face of their fear, the Holy Ghost fell on them and gave them power. And that power fills you in every area of your life. What you need in every area of your life. I hate to say this, but you don't need more money. You need the ability to get more money. You need the wisdom to manage your finances. You, you need to be able to build systems that you can bring finances into your life. You need, you need to be able to manage relationships in a way that you're not being abused and taken advantage of. You need the wisdom to get your kids from getting involved in all the crazy violence that's happening in this world. And let me tell you, friend, programs are good and I'm all for them, but we need the Holy Ghost of God in our lives to give us godly wisdom so we can come against these obstacles in the world. Amen. They live the gospel with giving. This is part of who they are. And if this is triggering you, I'm talking about money in church. I apologize for every pastor, every church that has manipulated you to give money when they were just getting themselves rich. When I lived, when I was, before I was in ministry, I was in secular business. And one of my jobs, one of my businesses I had as I had a mortgage business. And um, I, I showed up to a job one time when I was learning the mortgage industry, and um, they were giving these sales trainings. And if you're going to be in sales, sales can be godly or God, sales can be demonic. Am I, am, am I preaching good, Duke? Yeah. Sales can be godly and sales can be demonically manipulative. Yeah. And, and I walked in in the sales meeting, and they're like, here's how much you charge for a mortgage. You think about what's my car payment this week, what's my mor- what's my, what, what, what do I need to pay, and you tack that onto the mortgage, and that's how much you make. I'm like, I, ain't, I don't want nothing to do with this. This is the devil right here. This is, this is, this is flat out demonic. I, don't, I'm not, I am not learning manipulation from the world. This is not something I want to be a part of. Amen. If you can't be godly and earn money, you, you're not a, you, we gotta, we are practicing my faith. We have to live the gospel. Here's what Jesus said. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Matthew chapter 6, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I hear a lot of people talking about their 401k or their mortgage. I hear very few people talking about a plan to store treasures in heaven. When's the last time you said, man, I better put some treasure in heaven this week? Jesus, I mean, <clears throat> we say we, we believe, a literal, the, the literal interpretation of the Bible, people say. Don't store up treasures on earth, store it in heaven. Well, what does that mean? Don't have a bank account? No, I, th- I think you should. I think you should have a bank account. I should think you should manage your finances. What does that mean in our lives? I mean, it's my real treasure. Like, where, I, where, where, where it really counts, 
I need to be thinking about that at least as much as I'm thinking about my natural finances. <clears throat> Here's what I like to do. Here's a little exercise I like to do. I like to get a, a certain amount of money. <clears throat> I'll just tell you. I don't care. I like to get a $100 bill and put it in my pocket. Now, for me, a $100 bill, is that's, that's the point where giving is not just like, I don't care if I get it back. Does that, does that make sense? Like, for you, it might be a 20. A 20 might be a big sacrifice. For you, $500 might be a big sacrifice. I don't know where you're at. I'll just say a $100 bill because a $100 bill is when you start giving sacrificially normally. Like, you're generous, but you feel it. Like, okay, I could use $100 right now. Like, that's, that would... <laughs> Some of you, you just, you know, it's, it's no, no big deal. And, and if you have multiple pairs of shoes that cost more than $100, then it's not $100 for you. It's more. Okay. Hallelujah. So I like to get a $100 bill, and I like to put it in my pocket, and I like to say, Lord, who's, whose money is this? this is, I have this $100 bill. And this is somebody's. I need you to let me know whose it is so I can bless them with this. Because that, 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 is, going into, that is going to my heaven bank account. That is going to my heavenly bank account. I like to go to the store and say, Lord, I hope I'm behind the person who can't pay their bill. This is who I like. I, Lord, today, can I, like I like, to, I, like, I like to pray into opportunities to be supernaturally generous. Like, I, I, I love it. I love it. And, and I, I have, um, I'm just, man, <clears throat> I, I, don't, I, hope, I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to manipulate you out of anything today. Um, I'm not having an offering at the end of service. We are going to have one next Sunday, though. So come ready. But, <clears throat> but living generous to God is part of being a Christian. And faithful in your finances is part of being a Christian. It's part of our Christianity. Where have we stored up our wealth? And, and um, when Jesus said it to those people, that had to make no sense at all to them. Because all the wealthy people were considered the godly people. And we had this heresy enter the church in the last 20, 30 years. That somehow godliness and being rich were somehow connected. And Jesus, like, that's good. It's just the opposite of who you claim to follow, what he says. And so Duke preached the tithe this morning. And I believe in it. And I believe God blesses the finances of those who are faithful to God. Amen. Amen. No, I do not believe you'll all have a house on A1A. I do believe that you will have riches in heaven. And that is real to me. That is real to me. Say amen. And, and it's even more important than that. <clears throat> we have to live according to a different economy than we see in this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, but he cannot understand them because they are gained. What's that say? spiritually. They're spiritually appraised, it says in the NASB. We can only understand spiritual things by the Spirit. This is why we need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost regularly. This is why we need the encounter with God regularly. This is why we need to be in intercession. This is why we need to be in worship. This is why we need to sit under the preached Word so that we get this Holy Ghost encounter that does something on the inside of us so we can see what God is doing in the earth. I am just baffled. Come on, somebody. I'm baffled that people don't see what is godliness and what is not godliness today. It's not that difficult to discern. You could tell who is in the Bible and who's not in the Bible. I've sat down in these meetings and people are losing their mind. Like, and I'm like, okay, I understand that you don't see that you're oppressed by demons. Please show me in the Bible anything that you're saying right now. 
Can't come up with it because you've come up with a gospel of yourself. And, and, and forgive me if I don't worship the same God that you do. You. I'm, I'm on one, honey. I'm, am I being all right? Okay, okay, okay. I live in a different economy. This is countercultural formation. Watch this. Put it up, Duke. Excuse me. Put it up, uh, Josh. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. I want you to see this. Every act of... Come on, somebody. I'm, 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 I want to preach this. I want to get you worked up. I, 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 but but, but I, I want to get this in your spirit, man, more than anything else. I want this to affect you. I want this to be sticky on you. I, I, you know, we say... Come on. I want this, I want this to, to like bleed out of you when you're not thinking. I, we say the Apostles' Creed every week. Why? Because we're religious? No, because I want you to lay in bed at night and I want you to recite it. I want you to think about when the, when the enemy comes and says, well, there's many ways to God. You're like, no, no, no. I believe there is one true God. No, no, I believe that Jesus Christ is his only son. You know, I want you to, you know, born of a virgin Mary, you know, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. I want to get this in your spirit, ma'am, so that when you talk to your kids about who Jesus is, they're like, well, why do we go to church? Well, let me tell you one thing. We believe in one God, right? We believe the book. You're like, we like you have some theology to give your kids because theology is so minimized in today's church because they're, what they're trying to do is, 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 is get a crowd together that may or may not be following Jesus. Oh, God, I'm, 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 I'm going on rants now. Tracy, just reel me in when I get on rants. Are you guys getting anything out of this? This is why the enemy fights you. This is why the enemy fights you on giving. This is why the enemy fights you on serving. This is why the enemy fights you on holding your tongue when he says something nasty. This is why the enemy fights you on being selfish. This is why you decide, okay, I'm going to stop looking at pornography. Then all of a sudden, you can't think about nothing but pornography. Because the devil does not want you to live according to kingdom values. There is a real devil. And he does hate you. And he absolutely does not want you to live like a Christian. He does not want you to watch this to practice your faith. I don't know. Like, he doesn't want you to believe in Jesus, but I don't think he, he don't really fight that too much. He just gets you to stop being Christian. I'm, I believe I'm supposed to be rich. They ain't done nothing for me. You know, so like, does that, you know, I believe I'm a Christian. Well, that's, that, that's, I met a man who thought he was a pony. You know, like, I don't, I don't know that that matters. Saw a TV show about a guy who said he was a wolf. Okay. That don't change your DNA, though. You're still a human. Just like the rest of us, broken down people, got all kinds of issues. You can't escape it. You can't escape your humanity. Oh, that's a whole nother word. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to bring this to a close here. Oh, Jesus. Uh, eventually. Um, Jackson, we are not catching the beginning of that game. We are not catching the beginning of that game. Lord Jesus, be with the Gators. <clears throat> um, okay. Acts chapter 10, we, we, we read about a man named Cornelius. I want you to follow along. I want you to follow along here. We meet, about a, we meet a man named, uh, we start reading about a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius, Cornelius, um, he was Roman. He wasn't a Jew uh, and he wasn't a Christian. Are you following me? He was not a Jew. And as a matter of fact, he worked for the government. Now it was different, different then working for the government than it is today. Today you work for the government, you do you don't you don't well, I don't want to disparage any government workers. Um, but it's you you just you clock in, you clock out, 
and uh, then you kind of had your own business. You got a corner of the market, so to speak. So Cornelius uh, worked for the government. He was kind of a, his own man. He had people working for him. And we read about him in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. It says that Cornelius was a, a devout man who feared God with all his household and gave many alms, say alms, who gave alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continuously. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Leave that up there if you would for a minute, Josh. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Your prayers and your alms have ascended. Okay, let's break down this word alms. There's three types of giving, right? Uh, Number one, uh, the first and foremost is the tithe. The tithe is the first 10% of your increase. The Lord talked about it all throughout the Old Covenant. Jesus talked about it in the New Covenant. It is not a requirement for salvation. I believe it is a fruit of being saved. Uh, The tithe is what is supposed to support the house of God, and it is what I am supposed to live off of. This is how I feed my family. This is how we pay for the the building. This is how we have electricity and air conditioning. It's how we give um, the, the, the benevolence that we give and the missionaries that we support and what we do. We don't talk about it a lot, and I'll talk about that and another time why we don't. But this is what we do. Uh, this is what the Bible says, me as a man of God, my trust is supposed to be that God supplies my need. That's it. I live a life of faith that God will bring people who are submitted to God, who are filled with the Holy Ghost, who will tithe to the church, and I support my family, and it supports the ministries of Revival Life Church. Are you with me? Amen. That's the first 10% of your increase. On top of that, beyond that, are the offerings. This is why every single week we say, as you prepare the Lord's tithe and your offering. You can't give $20 when you have a really good job and say, that's my tithe. And if that is a tithe for your job, I'm praying for a really good job. Amen. Offerings of what you have decided to give above your tithe toward the work of the gospel. That's when you say, man, there's... there's um, we're going on this mission trip. I want to give to that missionary. I want to give to that work of the gospel. I want to give to that ministry that is, that is um, helping hurting people. Those are your offerings. <clears throat> Alms are money or things that you have purchased that you give towards the needy outside the church. Now, you can give an offering to the Lord for a church-based ministry or a parachurch ministry, and you give offerings every week. Like towards that. But when you see a hungry person on the street and you give them money, that is considered alms. Right? So Cornelius was not a Jew. It wasn't his church. He was giving money to the Jews, and God calls that alms. Right? He was giving to somebody outside his circle. Now, this is so important. None of Cornelius' family was saved. As a matter of fact, nobody who wasn't a Jew was saved yet. Are you following me? There were no Gentiles or non-Jews who were saved. And the angel of the Lord shows up to Cornelius and says, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. What are you doing that is ascending as a memorial before God? 
the angel showed up and said, God has seen your giving. And God has heard your prayers. Every time you <clears throat> take that money and you put that tithe in the offering bucket or you feed that hungry person or you give that word of encouragement to that person you do not like. When you go out with the go team and you feed the hungry, there's people in this room and there's people in this church who are part of the go team who don't even really want to be part of the go team. But God sees what you're doing. And there is a reward in heaven for that. When you feed the hungry, you are sowing into the treasury of heaven. <clears throat> and let me just say a little bit. Some people who need a little bit of breakthrough, I wonder if it's possible that the reason you have not had the breakthrough yet is because there are no alms and there are no prayers to come up as a memorial before God to put your name on the Holy Ghost to-do list in your behalf. You say amen. I think that possibly it was supposed to be your date, but the cup had not been filled. And the, you know, the Bible says that the prayers of the saints are like in these, in these chalices, as it were. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation that these chalices overflowed with the prayers of the saints before God in, in intercession. And I just feel like it's possible that metaphorically some people got some chalices in heaven that are supposed to be filled with giving and filled with prayer, but they haven't spilled out before God because ain't nothing can put in them. You're like, God, give me something. Then maybe I'll go out. And God is like, if you will step out in faith and you will start to be faithful with your giving, start to be faithful with your generosity, be faithful with your intercession, be faithful with your prayer, then something will spill out before God and the angel of the Lord will show up on your behalf and turn things around that never could have been turned exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think will God pour into your bosom, blessed, pressed down, pouring over, you say amen. I'm here to tell you I have faith in that God. I have faith that you have a part to play in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a part to play in God's work on this earth as you work out your faith. Can you say amen? amen. Look at this. Cornelius' generosity directly leads to his God encounter and the salvation of his family. Cornelius' generosity directly leads to his God encounter and the salvation of his house. I'm going to say it one more time. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. How many got some seeds sown right now? Come on, somebody. Who, who has sown seeds into that? Just, just, I want you just for a moment, just to begin, just, 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 just do this. Just, just thank you, Jesus. There is a harvest in heaven for me. Just clap for a second. Even if you're uncomfortable, just Thank, just thank him for a second. I, it, it, you know, maybe I didn't get the, the return that I thought I was going to get. Maybe I didn't get the fruit that I thought I was going to get. Come on, just clap for a second. Maybe I did not get the payoff I thought I was going to get. 
Maybe it was a long time ago that I did it, but there is a return on my seed. Even when the person I sowed into turned on me, I didn't sow into them. I sowed into heaven and I am getting a return on what I have sown. The world may have turned against me. Those I love, come on somebody. Maybe it didn't turn out the way I thought. I didn't get the breakthrough I thought I was going to get. Come on. But I am getting a return on my investment because God's word does not come back void. Can you say amen? Come on somebody, say amen. Look at your neighbor say, there's a reward coming. Come on, tell them there's a reward coming. There is a reward coming. I want you to believe that. Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. And Paul talks about this a lot. Paul, Paul, Paul's going everywhere as we read the, read the Gospels. Every time, like he talks about giving a lot. And, and this is where I'm going to bring it home. And if I move quickly, I'm going to bring this home. Hear me. Hear me. I, 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 um. I, I, I want to, um, it's not possible, it's not possible to live in this fallen world and do a little quick Bible study and think that we're getting any deep spiritual formation. Like, I got to preach this gospel. I got to get into the context. I can't just say the stuff that sounds good. Like, we, we have to understand this word. We, 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 we have to, we, we, we have to know we have to discern not, not, not just for us, but for this world. Like, what does this mean? We got to wrestle with the text. And we got to hear the messages that don't fit into our culture because this culture does not glorify Jesus at all. Our culture does not. Now, there are parts of this culture that Jesus wants to bless. He wants to breathe on. But we got to, we got to, we, man, it takes, it takes discernment. When everybody you know says that this, this political party is the truth and that political party is the devil, I'm like, how does this gain you? Like, I don't, because I see, I, see, I see the devil in both of them, and I see Jesus in both of them. Like, I don't, I don't, maybe there's a different metric we're supposed to be using than politics. Maybe there's a different metric than money. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should, whoa, maybe, maybe we should be looking at the word of God. And say, none are righteous, no, not one. Maybe we should believe the Bible which says, none has seen the face of God. Maybe, maybe we should be conformed to this world. And that's going to take a little bit of time. And at Revival Life Church, I'm here to let you know, we got a threefold plan. It is, it is encounters with God, spiritual formation, and the mission, the go of the gospel. We need all three in our lives. And spiritual formation takes time. And I'm not in a rush I'm, 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 not, I'm not leading a circus any longer. I've been there. I've been there, and I could do all the magic tricks. I've seen them all. I've seen the circus acts. I've seen them all. I'm impressed with very few of them. Are you laughing, honey? Is that funny? <clears throat> I have seen people wiggle on the ground for half an hour and get up just as devilish as they were when they fell on the ground. I have seen God touch people in an instant and they were permanently changed. I got a debate in somebody. Uh, I don't know why I do this anymore. That's not true. I like to debate people. Let's, let's be honest. But I like to call it teaching. I'm teaching and you're not learning. 
And at some point, I just say, I'm, I'm, I'm done arguing with your ignorance. And uh, I had a debate with somebody. They were very upset about um, a, a certain televangelist. Uh, and they, uh, <clears throat> they uh, it's kind of funny. Um, they were telling it how it's all fake. Have, have, you, have you seen, um, there's this, the, the, there's this caricature of faith healers. That the, they grow out the legs. Have you ever seen this? Like you, the leg, if you haven't seen it, that's, that's fine. Don't go looking for it. Uh, but at the same point, they try to say that, you know, it's a parlor trick. It's kind of a magic trick, this leg growing thing. And, and I was part of an online uh, uh, thing. And uh, people were saying this is a magic trick and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I was like, well, you know, I was in the military and I was in a helicopter crash. And uh, one day at church, uh, somebody had a word of knowledge about back pain. And, that's a pretty safe one. If you're going to go into healing ministry, let me just give you a little hint. Get on stage and say, I feel like there's somebody in the room with back pain and somebody with headaches. Is that anybody in the room? Because you're always going to have people in the room. It's a real safe one to start with, right? Is there anybody with back pains or headaches? And so, oh my God, yes, I have back pain. Oh, how did I know? Because there's humans in the room, right? But anyways, this person, this person said, is anybody, there's somebody here with back pains and I, I actually got out of the military on a, on a, on a medical discharge because my back got hurt in a helicopter mishap. And the guy says to me, praise God. And then they started acting really weird. Like, like the room shifted and they started acting weird. I didn't know what was going on, right? I had just gotten saved. I was in my mid-20s and never been part of a church. And uh, we're having a prayer meeting. This guy says, I think there's somebody here with back pain. And I'm like, yep, I got back pain. And he's like, and everybody started getting excited. I'm like, why are we excited about my, you know, I got a medical discharge. I got problems. I can't run. I used to work out, whatever. <clears throat> and they're getting excited because <clears throat> they knew what God was about to do. <clears throat> and they get this chair out, and they put me in the chair. And they said, put your legs up. And they said, look, one of your legs is shorter than the other leg. I'm like, I walk fine. I don't, if you say so, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. You say it's short. Okay, it's, it's shorter. And I was wearing shorts at the time because I was in college, and you don't dress right in college, right? So I'm sitting in this chair in college, and I'm sitting there, and, then, and they begin to pray, and I'm just sitting there. And then I watched my leg coming out of my shorts. Like, I literally, I watched my leg extend. Like, I don't know if God was realigning my hips I don't know if God was pulling my shorts. I don't know what was going on. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't have any idea what was happening at that moment. But I watched it, and it freaked me out, right? <clears throat> and then I stood up, and my back has never hurt like that ever again. Can you say amen? <clears throat> I went to the VA. I'm like, I'm not really medically disabled anymore. I, I just got healed by Jesus. And have you, like I called them, I'm like, have you heard of Jesus? Have you seen him? Because he is alive. He is alive and the Holy Ghost is at work on the earth. And, and the lady's like, um, this is just the VA helpline. I'm like, it, it, for you it is. But for me, this is, you know, I, you're the only person I have to preach to right now. Let me tell you what God has done for me, right? And so God extended my leg and now my back is like, and then the VA lady's like, yeah, no, that's either, you're disabled. That's all there is to it. I'm like, okay, send me to check. I'm all right with that, right? And so they just send me to check and I'm healed, right? And so, and so I'm, I'm in this debate and they're talking about how all this leg extension thing is uh, is fake and it's a parlor trick and it's a magic trick i'm like well i don't know about 25 30 years ago i was in the service and i uh, got out of the service got saved and i was in a little church service and uh somebody said there's somebody with back pain and i sat down and they prayed for me my leg got extended and uh, my back hasn't hurt since and then people wanted to start arguing with me about it i'm like yeah no here's what happened 
uh, somebody prayed for me, and I saw my leg get longer, and now my back hasn't hurt ever since. I, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, but you see, what really happened was, no, actually what really happened was they prayed in the name of Jesus, and my leg got a little longer, and now my back doesn't hurt. You can do whatever you want with that. I don't care what you do with that. You can, you can, you can, you can steal God's glory and give glory to the devil for that. If that's, if that's what you want to do, that's between you and Jesus. But I'm here to let you know, I encountered the Spirit of God. He don't change my life, and now my life is different. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not here to argue with you about whether God, God is actually a good God and a healing God. That's between you, God, and the devil who you want to glorify. I don't, that's between, I'm just, I'm just letting, I'm planting a word of truth on the inside of you that I am practicing my faith by letting you know, even though all y'all are going to try to demonize me, I don't care because I am storing up treasures in heaven. Does this make sense to you? Are you getting this? So I will argue with these folks. I, I don't, I don't care because they deny the deity of Jesus. Oh, that's more than I wanted to say, but you'll have to just live with it. I'm almost done. <clears throat> Every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. And so, Paul, come on up here if you would, Stanley, because that'll make me hurry up. So, Paul, in all his letters, keeps talking about money. In 1 Corinthians, he, he's like, you know, I'm not going to receive any offering um, for me personally. I'm going to work tense. 2 Corinthians is like, yeah, I repent of all of that. Y'all should have paid me, right? Like, I, I, like this is, y'all should have paid me. That was wrong, right? And so he's going to all these churches, raising money for Jerusalem. Now, what happened? Well, Jerusalem, as, as we've talked about, uh, where the church was established, was very, very wealthy because they were, they, were, they were the center of everything. And then this horrible persecution came, and they got completely wiped out. Like, they weren't, their businesses were stolen, their houses were destroyed, their houses were burned down. And uh, they were constantly being persecuted and murdered. And now Paul, in almost all of his epistles, he talks about this offering that he's taking for who? Jerusalem. Acts chapter 4. There was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now, this is what happened when they got the Holy Ghost. But now they're broke. And what's happening? See, they had stored up their wealth in heaven. They didn't know they were going to have great need. They had no idea that the money that they were given, or that they were giving to one another, it was all going to be stolen by Rome. Hold on to it now if you want, but it will not last. And so they were radically generous in the season that they were able to. Radically generous. But when they became broke, the Lord remembered. And Paul goes everywhere raising money for them. They had no idea they were sowing into their own financial future with this offering of giving everything radically at the beginning of the church. Is this making sense? And we read of Barabbas, uh, Barnabas, excuse me, in this. We read of Barnabas. And Barnabas, it says, sold land, gave radically. And we read about Barnabas again. In, in chapter 4, it says, this, now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translates son of encouragement, owned a tract of land and sold it and brought the money and laid the feet of the apostles' feet. So he had this name, 
The apostles gave him a new name, son of encouragement, because of his giving. What happened to him? We read about him again in chapter 9. Paul's like, this Barnabas, we, we know him. We know him through his giving. We know him through his generosity. We know him through his love. We know him by what he has demonstrated to be the fruit of the Spirit. I, I need you all to catch this by the Spirit, right? So in chapter 9, he becomes the ministry partner of the Apostle Paul. He was just a dude in Jerusalem being generous with his giving. We read about him again in Acts chapter 9. He becomes Paul's partner in Antioch because after Jerusalem got persecuted, the church was centered in Antioch and that's where all the missionary journeys came from, Antioch. Antioch was the center of the gospel. And there was Paul, there was Barnabas. And he was counted as one of the prophets and teachers there. He went with Paul to bring the offering to, to Judea. Went on all the missionary journeys with Paul. Remember this, every act of obedience to Jesus is sowing into your future. Stand with me if you would. We're going to receive the Lord's table. If you need communion supplies, we'll have an usher here at the front who would love to serve you. <clears throat> have you learned from the Word of God today? Have you been encouraged from the Word of God today? Has the Spirit been in our midst? Somebody's kid is having a good time. Or a terrible time, I'm not sure. I don't. My kids are too old to discern those screams. They're sorting things out back there. All right. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. If you need, if you need uh, supplies, just go ahead and raise your hand and usher would love to serve you the Lord's table. Now listen, we say this, but as we receive this, this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Is it literally the body and blood? No. I don't have time to teach on that now, but something supernatural happens to this. Doesn't become literal blood, doesn't become literal flesh. That, that's, I'm not sure that's faithful to the text. But something supernatural happens here. Because we together are receiving the body, the sacrifice of Jesus. In this, we're receiving it in remembrance of a God who gave, who was generous. He was generous. And so Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that on the night, uh, that the Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke. Now, as you receive this body, I want you to do this in faith. And as you receive the cup, I want you to do it in faith. I want you, I want you to do not just think, I want you to, I want you to, you know how I just told you that every act of obedience 
goes into your spiritual bank account, I want you to recognize that something supernatural is happening right now as we receive this. That you are communing with the Lord in a way you cannot do on your own. When we gather around the table of the Lord, here we are, the huge table right now, and Jesus is at the head. He's lifting the bread and He's saying, do this in remembrance of me. And we are obeying the Word of God. We are, watch this, practicing our faith right now. When you show up to church on Sunday, you're practicing your faith. You could have slept in, you could have gone to the park, you're practicing your faith. I, I, something supernatural is about to happen in some people's lives. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for who? For you. Look at your neighbor and say, it was broken for you. 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 This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, Jesus, receive the broken body of Jesus that makes you whole. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is the new wine poured out for you. The hey, shakaba, sabaka, terere. What are you doing, Pastor? Praying in tongues? Sheba. Is that supposed to be interpreted? Only in heaven. I'm praying. This is selfish. I'm not preaching. I'm praying. This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Lord, we do declare that You died on the cross for our sins. This Jesus Christ who was murdered, who God raised from the dead for us. Receive the cup of the new, receive the cup of the new covenant. Now if you just momentarily allow the Lord to work in your heart, Father, that I would live a gospel-centered life. That I would live a self-giving life. That I would live the life that invites the Holy Ghost to come in and transform me. I allow you to challenge my theology, Father. I allow you to challenge my politics, Father. I allow you to reveal my prejudices, my hatred, and my unforgiveness. I allow you, I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to show me where I'm walking in judgment, where I should be walking in love, and where I am not living a holy life. Help me to be transformed into your image. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Will you give a clap offering to the Lord? Real quick, I just want to give you this opportunity. If you are away from God today, if you're not part of the church of Jesus Christ, if you're not faithful to God in your, in your finances, if you're not faithful to God in serving, if you're not faithful to God in your attendance, if you're not faithful to your God in, in serving the body, I want to just give you an opportunity right now. Just Don't anybody go anywhere. Don't, don't just, just between you and God right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, between you and Jesus, I want you to say, Lord, I have not been faithful. You've been faithful to me. I've not been faithful to you. 
help me to prioritize my life in a way that I can be faithful, that I can practice my faith, that I can be found faithful to you, that I would tell people about you this week and invite them to a place that they can encounter God, where they can be faithfully taught the Word of God, and they can be taught how to follow Jesus. Can you come forward with If you need healing in your body today, if you need deliverance, if you need God to do a miracle in your life, I want to invite you to come forward. We would love to pray for you, but allow me to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Give a clap out for the Lord if you would. Thank you for moving in our midst today, Father. We love you. Give two people a hug before you leave. God bless you and have a safe week.